content warning for the episode. Uh, although I don't go into the issue in any detail, I will be mentioning the topic of domestic violence at the end of the episode. Our sharer also discusses topics of mental health and suicide. Be aware of if, how, where and when you listen to this episode and support resources are available in the show notes. Welcome to Screaming on the Inside. I'm your host, Celeste. Thank you all for joining us. I know it's been a little while since our last recording. Uh, It's been a really busy um, but exciting few weeks here at Alumni Headquarters. Uh, So after a break, it has uh, been really nice to get back to the podcast and um, have this episode out for you today. So thanks so much to everybody for listening. September was National Recovery Month, uh, which aims to increase public awareness surrounding mental health and addiction recovery. Uh, We've been challenging myths surrounding recovery throughout the month. You might have seen the posts on the Facebook group, and um, it's been really wonderful to see people's input and response to that, um, and sort of breaking the stigma around addiction. Um, And as a part of Recovery Month, we've also been encouraging you in our alumni community to share your own recovery experiences with us, and, and that's been really wonderful. Off the back of that, uh, today we have one of those recovery experiences that's been shared by our alumni member, Dave Waits, um, who stayed at Oasis Runcorn and is over 18 months sober. Uh, I do hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I did. I've listened to it a few times through now and I just get so much from it every time I listen. It's a really well-told story and it's really vulnerable and honest. Um, I know Dave would be really happy to receive your comments and feedback on his uh, share with us. Um, and You can leave those on the Facebook group uh, where, I'll, where I'll be sharing the episode or uh, you can get in contact with us directly and I'll pass on any messages um, Um, to Dave on your behalf. So without further ado, I'll hand over to Dave to share his story of experience, strength and hope. I'm Dave, I'm 51, from the northeast of England, Teesside, and um, I suppose my story starts um, back in 2018, um, when I was out shopping with the family and I didn't feel too clever, I felt a bit unwell. Um, we finished off shopping and we drove home. And when I got home, um, as I was going through the gate and up the, up the path, I was getting a pain across my chest and in my arm. Um, and when I entered the house, I just sat on the, the foot of the stairs. Um, and this pain just got worse and worse. It just grew with intensity. And it, it's a pain I'd suffered before, but I just dismissed it to, to thinking it was um, a trapped nerve or or something like that in my back that was getting aggravated. But after about 10, 15 minutes or so, um, it grew that bad with intensity. I'd asked my wife to get me um, an ambulance. Um, and she was quite shocked when I said, I think you better get an ambulance. Um, she was like, really? And the ambulance turned up within minutes and they do the usual checks. They do like your, you know, your blood pressure and all that. Um, 
and pretty much straight away the the female paramedic had said to me that you know you're suffering from heart attack um 47 years old and suffering my first heart attack um i wasn't expecting it yeah i wasn't fit you know but i wasn't the worst person out there i wasn't leading a good life but there's you always think there's somebody worse than you um so i was rushed to uh, the local hospital which is james cook in middlesbrough and within 10 15 minutes or so i was in the operating theater laid down and they were cutting into my arm and feeding a wire up to um to uh, open up the artery around my heart and fit um four stents believe it or not um because it was you know the the narrowing was that bad that they had to fit four and I think it was we it only took about an hour or so and then I was on the ward and I stayed in the ward a couple of days just while I monitored me um I think I stayed in over the weekend and I was released on the Monday um with a view of the view they're saying that because of the, the ultrasounds that they'd done they'd found another area that was blocked and I needed to go back in for another stent but they said um, it had to be um, four to six weeks after this visit, give me a chance to recover from the first one. Um, so yeah, I went home um, and went back, I think it was either four to six weeks later and, and, and got the fifth one stent put in. Um, and then was offered a whole load of things like uh, cardio rehabilitation and that, and reluctantly, I'd never done, I've never been a one for exercising. So, I decided to take them up on their offer and the cardiac rehabilitation is about uh, it's about exercise and it's about awareness of healthy eating and foods and sugars and, and everything else so I went on this course it was for 12 weeks and I did well I lost about three stone in weight come down from 18 stone to just under 15 um, and I'd started to get active I'd started moving um, but shortly after finishing the course, um, I started to struggle um, with my thoughts, um, mental health mainly, um, and they were all based around um, ill health, about the slightest little twinge, what's this, is it you know, a brain tumour, is it another heart attack, is it, is it this, is it that, you know, I suppose hypochondriac um, is the word that most people are, are common with, or the with, you know, the were for me growing up anyway that was a word that would be used for somebody like that and they just grew in intensity and the the drinking um dr I'd drinking was the my only escape from it once i'd finished the, a day's work i used to go home and obviously crack a can open and sit there and that was my i used to get peace i used to get a break from this continually thinking about being ill and about being unhealthy and about being unfit and what's going to happen and um, and that progressed for quite a while um, and in the in the process I was going backwards and forwards to the doctors all the time because I had pains in my arms in my stomach in my chest um, and I was never quite sure I was blaming food I was blaming this I was blaming that you know um but never really knew the answer and the doctor wasn't really coming up with it they went from irritable bowel syndrome to to a whole varied amount of things that it could be and i was treated and it didn't work didn't stop and it feels like every time i got on top of a situation then something new developed um 
And as time went on, the alcohol um, consumption got worse. It got more and more. And what I'd noticed with it was that the more I drank on a night, um, the worse the next day, the worse the anxiety and the mental, the thinking about mental health and the thinking about illness, the worse it got and the worse the day became. So um, I decided that I needed to go and see somebody. So I got referred to the local alcohol services um, in, in the, my town, my local town. And I went there and spoke with a counsellor and we agreed that we were going to go on a reduction plan with a view to becoming abstinent from drinking full stop um, and I sort of like went along and you know you do the same thing the drinks diaries and all that that you fill out you do that and I got down and I was getting down to about eight cans a day seven days a week and which was good for me really um, but I couldn't really get any lower than that. I didn't really have a desire to get any lower than that. So we decided that we would just go, we would speak with the nurse, the nurse that works for the alcohol services, and we would go for a date when I was going to do a home detox. Um, I've never done detox before in my life, so didn't know anything about it. was just taught that if you're packing drinking straight away, a load of bad things can happen to you, and which obviously didn't do my anxiety any good. So... Yeah, anyway, this day come along, I met with the nurse, I got my tablets, I got a piece of paper with what date and what med what um, quantity of medication I should take on each day. So there's like a, a small dose to start, then it increases midweek and then it drops off again by the end of the week. So I, I went through it and didn't drink. Uh, I didn't drink for about eight weeks um, following that detox. And then I suppose being naive, being stupid, not knowing, nobody ever telling me anything. Um, I thought I was cured. I thought I was I was fixed again. They've put me right. Somebody has somebody outside of me has done something and now everything's okay. Um, so I started drinking again and it started off at like four cans, you know, um, on a night. And, you know, during a week, it gradually crept up and there was always more cans on a weekend and it was like I'm a grown up, I'm a man, I can I can handle this, you know. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be a problem. It's not gonna get to the severity it got last time. But as you can all guess it um, it, it obviously did. Um and the mental health come the mental health and the anxiety come back um with a vengeance I suppose. Um and now every single day, every morning of every day, um I was constantly on edge with butterflies, like a nervous feeling in the stomach and going dizzy and all the signs of severe, severe anxiety. Um, even moonwalking, like, which is like, you know, you, you feel like you're not walking, like as if you're walking through tar, you know. That's how it felt when I used to walk. Um, so the drinking got worse and it really got bad to the point where this one week that I felt that um, something wasn't right. I didn't know what it was. Um, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just felt really, really unwell. So I w my wife took me to A&E. Um, and it was while I was in A&E, um, I was really struggling at this point. I'd thought about taking my own life just to escape it, really, just to escape. I just wanted peace from it all. Um, just wanted a rest and peace and just calm and the only way I used to go, do get that uh, up until now was was by drinking and sleeping that was the only way so 
I was in hospital and my wife had begged them to, to do some tests because they were on the verge of um, discharging me after a couple of mental health nurses, mental health nurses, sorry, had spoken to me. Um, and they'd done the blood tests and then they said that there was something wrong with the, the results and that it was to do with the, the salts in my liver and they said if they don't get it under control it's life threatening so they kept me in um, and I believe that night they moved me up to the ward um, where straight away because of my situation I was put on Librium again and it must have been a high, high dose the first couple of days because I can I don't really remember which parts true and which parts are my imagination over the first couple of days um, and I slowly, slowly started to get a little bit worse. I was, I was actually, I was absolute dark yellow. I went proper, my skin, my eyes and everything went proper dark yellow. Um, and I was struggling to stand up and walk. I couldn't even stand in front of the mirror and shave. Um, so I was sat in a hospital bed at one point with half a beard on, um, not being not having the strength to, to shave the other half off, so I must have looked like a right, a right head case. Um, so, because it hadn't picked up and I was still getting worse, they sent me for a liver scan to see how much damage I'd done. Um, and during the liver scan, um, they had found out that I had a, a gallbladder infection, and the gallbladder infection was potentially spreading to other organs in my body, um, which is can lead can be fatal. If if you if it's left to go that way, so the change they give me some antibiotics and they give me some antibiotics and it started to pick up and I was well. I still wasn't perfect when I left. I couldn't couldn't really walk properly and I was still yellow, yellow in colour to sorts. What I left there and I was asked to go back to um, an outpatient appointment with a consultant. Um, which I managed to stay sober, not to touch anything up right up until the, the appointment at the outpatients and I'd had my bloods done the week before. So I goes in to see the consultant and he's only going off the information that's on the screen. Um, and he asked how I was doing and the, the test that I'd had the week before was shown. Um, he said the results were, he was happy with the results considering where I was when I was eight weeks ago when I was in hospital. And he advised me that the results um, that I had when I was in hospital, he said people don't normally leave hospital with them results. It usually ends in a fatality. Um, so I'd left that appointment and within a week or two, I the thoughts in my head had come back as to, you've beaten this again. You, you've beat the system. You're okay. There's nothing the matter with you you know you had a warn and you had a scare and that was it and unfortunately i just I, I thought that i could just manage four cans to sit and watch a film with with the wife on a saturday night um, and that's what i did um, it started like that and as the previous time but this time uh, the increase was rapid the increase in, in consumption was was way faster than it's ever been before um, and it soon got to the point where it was like it was spirits, neat, gin, vodka um, and I wouldn't go to sleep unless I knew there was there was alcohol in the house in case I woke up at 2 and 3 in the morning um, 
and before long I was I was waking up at seven going downstairs before the kids got up and probably necking a couple of double neat vodkas um, and it would be in my in my mind it was just to get me just to start me off through the day um, and it wasn't long before drinking you know become the main task of the day I suppose um, and I was drinking and sleeping drinking and sleeping and time really was irrelevant I didn't know it was night time day time and a long time had passed and the topic I'm led to believe we're up to about um, uh, Christmas um, and January 21 and I don't really remember a great deal of it, um, if I'm going to be honest. It's it's sort of like vague. I was, I was functioning. I was talking. I could hold conversations, but I was in blackout. I was in blackout for, for quite a number of weeks. Um, I, I don't show which part I can remember and which part I only remember because people have told me. So, but apparently during that time we spoke about rehab, um, and I'd agreed to go, and this day had come. Um, and strangely enough, I was still concerned about what the neighbours thought at this point because I, I remember insisting that the car was parked near the, drive, near the gates to my house and the door was open on the back so I could just leave the house and jump straight in the back of the car without anybody seeing me. So the day had come, my son was driving and my wife was uh, with me and I was back door and the car was open and I was laid down in the car with a can. Um, still had a can in my hand then said I needed it otherwise I wouldn't have went um, and off to Bradford we go and um, we get to Bradford I can't remember whether it was daytime night time all I remember was there was a bit of snow on the floor and it was a bit frosty with the time of the year um, and I get there and I, I don't really remember going in I just remember being on the first floor um, in a room on the first floor and I remember them, they used to walk down the corridors because of Covid and everything they used to walk down the corridors and shout break time and everybody would go get up out of the room go down the stairs um, into what would have been the dining hall and grab a cup of tea and most people used to go outside for a smoke or those that did smoke because of the isolation I went down I'd grab a cup of tea and I would go and sit outside on this little bench outside in like a little bit of a shelter but it wasn't much and I would sit out there and it was basically because otherwise you were locked up in your not locked up in your room but you were in your room 24-7 so it was my attempt at trying to socialise even though I wasn't in the right frame of mind or I wasn't physically able so after close to my, my five days in, in Bradford um, the day had come to move over to Runcorn and we were taken down out of our rooms, we packed our bags and we were taken down to this little room to wait and there had been a delay for some reason, one reason or another. And even then I was thinking to myself, I wonder if my son had come and picked me up, I need to get out of here, I don't want to be here. Um, and if if it hadn't have been for, there was, a, there was a lad that was with me in Bradford called James, he was from the North East as well, from Newcastle. And if it hadn't have been for James, um, there'd been me and James going to run corner, I don't think I'd have went. Um, I really don't because at least I felt like there was somebody with me. I don't. I mean, I didn't know James from from anyone, um, but it was just that I wasn't by myself. I wasn't heading into something unknown by myself. So we get to Runcorn, um, 
and I remember sitting there and, and one of the lads taking all the information and going seemed to be going through like a million questions and for the first few days I was struggling still I couldn't eat I couldn't walk um, I wasn't sleeping and I really struggled with it all I didn't want to be there um, I couldn't see the point of it I was nasty to my wife on the phone saying what have you done to me where have you put me and you know probably no different to, to many other people and um, I started to, to, after about a week or so, I started to, to pick up a little bit. Um, and I was starting to communicate with everybody. And I was just, I was, I was made to feel welcome, actually. Um, I, was, I was shocked on how easy it was to, to get used to your environment that you're in. Um, and I suppose that was down to the people that I was there with, you know, um, there was Paul, um, Diane, Kate, James, Kev. There was quite a few people, you know, and it turned out all right. You know, I was put in the 12-step programme and and I spent the rest of my time at um, Runcorn. And I still wasn't right when I left. Um, I still wasn't, I still not right today. Um, I've still got issues with along the lines of mental health. I've got to keep my head right because if I don't keep my head right, then it can come back, and I know it can come back, and I know how easy it can come back. So, I suppose if if I've got any advice for anybody, I mean, I've been back to Runcorn and I spent the day with everybody there on Saturday, and I done a share, and one of the questions asked to me was. Um, What's changed? What's changed this time round compared to the previous two detoxes? And I would have to say that previously, um, previously, I I looked outside. I looked outside of me for something to change, whether it be environment, situation, somebody else, a doctor, a nurse, a counsellor. I looked for something outside of me to change. Um, in order for me to become sober and combat this and the difference is this time I've actually any of the answers I want in relation to my recovery any of the answers I'll find them answers or I'll find where to get them answers if I stand and look in a mirror the answers here it's with me it's in me all of the answers I need to know with regard to my recovery and all the problems that got me there are all looking back at me when I look in that mirror. They're all there. They're in with me, within me. So, yeah, I think I'll just leave it there. Thank you very much. Cheers. Well, there you have it. Thanks very much, Dave. Um, it really is um, a really well-told share, and uh, I really, really value um, the honesty in that and you know the fact that it wasn't necessarily a very smooth transition from understanding that you know one needs support and um, has a, an issue around drinking or whatever the substance might be but then actually you know intellectually knowing that you've got a problem is very different to actually surrendering and uh, moving into a recovery and um, I think like Dave quite rightly said it's that um, that realisation isn't it that we can't just look out to you know professionals like doctors and and counsellors or whoever it might be to actually fix us you know we have to be able to look in the mirror and um, recognise that we have to be 
the person leading that uh, change. Um, not not that it uh, doesn't require outside support. Of course, it does. But um, I really like the mirror analogy, and I think um, I, I really relate to that, and I'm sure a lot of you do too. You know, and also blaming our issues, you know, whether it be health, financial, um, relationship issues, on everything else apart from the one thing, which is our drinking. Um, and it's the, the madness, isn't it, of the, of the disease. Um, you know, it's a journey. We don't wake up one day and suddenly we're fixed. It is a process and it's an ongoing one. And um, for me, that's why I really enjoy being part of this community so much because we all help each other through that and uh, you know I see that all the time on the Facebook group um, you know if we've got a member of the community who's struggling you know and they reach out on the group you know to sit back and actually watch the support that comes back from the rest of the community is really um, it's quite heartwarming and it's really rewarding um, to know that um, I'm a part of that and uh, yeah, I would encourage any of you, if you are struggling, or even if you're not, if you just want to share, you know, how's your day going? What, what have you learned in recovery? What have you done today that, A, you've done really well and you're really proud of, or maybe it's something you might want to do better next time? You know, I'd really like for us all to have a conversation around that, um, you know, because the community, it wouldn't exist without every single one of you taking part. Right, we are in the month of October already, um, and the month of October is looking at the theme of uh, domestic violence, as it is uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It is a challenging uh, and a very, very complex issue, um, and one I, I do hope we can approach with the required sensitivity and awareness of how it can be quite triggering for those who have experienced it in any form. Having said that, I do think it's a conversation that is relevant to the recovery community and I would welcome any feedback or contributions uh, from you. You can reach out to me personally at Celeste, that's C-E-L-E-S-T-E at UCAT, U-K-A-T dot co dot U-K or message me or put a post on the Facebook group uh, would be great. Um, I'm sure there are people out there who do have, do have experience. Um, if you don't want to share, that's absolutely fine. Never any pressure. Um, but if you do want to speak up uh, or share your experience in any way, um, from any viewpoint, um, you know, it would be really wonderful to have that um, contribution. So, yeah, hit me up. Um, I will be uh, sharing in the newsletter that's, that's coming out at around the same time as this podcast, um, I will be sharing my own experience of uh, witnessing domestic violence in the home um, as, a, as a child. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I don't think that's uh, news to anyone. I think I've spoken about it before. Um, so I, I hope that me sharing my experience in some way um, helps and uh, I think, you know, like we say, it's not always a, it's not a nice conversation to have. It's, it's a topic that I'm sure we'd rather not think about, but it is happening out there. And although it is actually um, 
uh, a myth that uh, domestic violence is caused in some way by substance misuse. There's not a direct correlation. It is understood that it's a risk factor. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that it's a really good time to have that conversation. As ever, take care out there. And remember, if you need support in your recovery, you can find a host of information and contact points for us at UCAT, ukat.co.uk. You can always call us at the alumni team directly on 0203-949-6585. And uh, we'll always be here if you need to have a, a chat about any element of your recovery. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Screaming on the Inside. Thank you so much to everybody that takes part in this community. Um, every single one of you is such an important part and uh, I do wish you well um, for the rest of your day, whatever you're up to. I'll leave you with a recovery quote that I adore. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start, everyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. No matter how much we want, might want to, I think the reason I like that is that we know we can't change the past and we have to accept that, but we can move forward uh, with dignity and hope. Uh, I'll leave you with that. Thanks, everybody. Take care till next time.